Thank you all so much. As they exit, uh, you all stay standing. It's all right. The rest of you stay standing. Everyone south, if you would, please stay standing. Uh, Because uh, before we jump into the scriptures, uh, I want us to grab your Bible, if you would, as you're standing there. Uh, Whether it's on a mobile device or a hard copy, I I want us to make the declaration uh, that we believe... This book is God's word and is intended to not only inform us, but to transform us. So would you declare this out loud with me, with your Bible in hand? This is God's word, his heart revealed. I humbly declare his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I will not lean on my own understanding, but incline my heart now to receive his word so that I may excel still more in filling the earth with his glory by walking in his truth and loving all people as he has loved me. Now, before you're seated, turn and face one another. Now, turn towards the center aisle. This is so funny. There you go. Those people on the other side that you never look at because you generally always sit on the same side. I want you to look at them because the Bible says we are family. How much of your family do you know? 20%? You look across. 30%? 50%? Now, kind of just start looking around and go, all right, really, this is my family? I've never even seen some of these people before. If you're visiting, we're glad you're here. And we want to welcome you to be part of this family as well. Now, the reason I'm having you do this is this. For the next seven weeks, this book, the Word of God, is going to instruct us on how we might live in healthy relationships with one another how we would, in the way we treat one another, how we would do so in a way that we would genuinely be the church as God intends the church to be. So that next week, if a family went, man, we love Power Up Clubs, we want to attend the service, that they would walk in here and they would go, these folks really love one another. They're like a, a healthy family. I, I want to say family, but problem is so many families aren't healthy. But, but a healthy family. And the scripture tells us how to be a healthy family. Here's why I love Thessalonians. He says to him. You guys are pleasing the Lord, and you can excel even more in it. So Christian Family Chapel, we are a family. We could do it even better. We could. Here's something that I want to challenge you with for all seven of these weeks. This won't be new to you, but I bring it back to us a couple times every year. I want us to make a decision when we walk in this room walk over and south to say, I'm going to choose my seat according to relationship, not convenience. 
I'm going to choose a seat according to relationship. Whether it's to connect with somebody we're already connected with or I'm going to meet somebody new. I'm not going to sit where it's convenient. I'm going to do it for relationship because we are family. And it doesn't make any sense that we aren't getting to know one another as family. But sometimes that's hard. So are you, you may be wondering, is he going to make a stand for the whole sermon? <laughs> no. But for this part, yes. Because church is too much. You walk in here and you look at the stage. And family does less at the stage and more towards one another. So last Sunday night for family group, we had a great meeting. At the end, I said, all right, just let me tell you something. On the way here, I told you, Jackie, I don't want to go tonight. I mean, we were driving there, but I said, I don't, I don't really want to go. And Bryce, who's right here, I'm going to call him out. He starts laughing. I say, what's so funny? He said, I said the same thing to Bethany on the way here. <laughs> now, you may think, man, you got a lousy family group. Nobody wants to go. <laughs> Actually, we were just verbalizing what I think a lot of people. Long day. You know what would have been convenient? Stay home. Pretty evening. Let's just hang out. But then when you choose relationship over convenience, you always reap the benefit. See, I, you don't know what you miss until you choose not to miss it. And some of you don't know what you're missing because you don't choose your seats. Relationship wise. So would you, in the coming weeks, when you walk in the room, think relationship, not convenience, because we're a family and a healthy family desires to know one another. And that just, that takes minutes. That takes some effort. And the scripture's going to teach us how we can be healthy together. So bow with me, Lord, before we take our seat and open the word, we want to simply declare, would you teach us individually in the coming weeks in such a way that this might be a compelling place by the love we have for one another the care for we have for one another and how it's so tangibly and practically expressed. And God, would you work in us and would you find our hearts to be receptive, responsive, and that we would enjoy the fruit, the benefit of obedience to your word. So thank you for what we have in store for us this morning and we invite you to speak to us the very utterances of God in Christ's name. Amen. All right, now you can have a seat. If you would turn to chapter 5, we're going to look at four, a few verses, 12 through 15, four verses that are going to give us seven essentials for a healthy spiritual family. He says in verse 12, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. 
and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. In verse 15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. So seven essentials for a healthy spiritual family. And we're going to take our time. We could have grouped them all into one. I could have just run through it. But because I am so convinced that God wants for us as a family health in the same way that he wants for your physical family health, relational health, that we take our time and we give ourselves week by week, verse by verse, command by command, essential by essential to go, all right, we understand it. We're going to apply it. Here are the essentials. First, roles. There are designated, ordained roles in the congregation that are essential to a healthy family. Second, peace. It seems obvious, but learning to be at peace with one another, an absolute essential for a healthy family. Admonishment, hard to do, awkward at times, but admonishment, take it away and you're going to lose health in a family. Encouragement. Everybody knows what it's like to be discouraged. And a healthy family has lots of doses of encouragement. Helpfulness. Seeing a need, meeting a need. An essential ingredient for a healthy spiritual family. Patience. Because we're all on a journey, but you know, we're at different parts on that journey and we come from different backgrounds and we're different people, male, female, younger, older. Be patient with everyone, part of a healthy family. We're like a family that has great parents, great grandparents and grandparents and parents and teenagers and kids. There's a lot of differences there. Be patient with everyone. And finally, verse 15, if you capture it in a word, it's kindness. What we don't do and what we do do as a family in kindness. Now, this might seem very basic, but imagine with me. If you wrote it down, if not, just look up here. Imagine a family where all of this was happening in the power of the Spirit. And you can imagine, wow, that is what God had in mind when he created the church. This is what Jesus had in mind when he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against a church that lives and relates like this. So, is this completely absent in, at Christian Family Chapel? By no means. But what's the theme? Excel still more. 
So in every area, watch, in every one of these areas, every one of us can excel still more. So this morning, what we're going to look at is this first one. How are roles set up in the body to produce a healthy congregation? Because this roles are the foundation to a healthy body. So go back to verse 12. It says, we request of you, brethren, that's to the congregation, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Now, what's interesting is he doesn't name a role there. He describes a role and what the person or the group of people are doing, he doesn't name it, but I believe, and I'll show you why, I believe he is speaking about the role of the elder specifically in a local congregation. I believe he's talking about the role of the elder because he said there in verse 12, the ones who have charge over you in the Lord. And that is the language connected in the New Testament to the role of an elder. If you were to look in 1 Peter chapter 5, you'd read this. Paul saying to them, I, excuse me, Peter saying, to, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. See, same language as in 1 Thess 5, those who have charge over you in the Lord, but proving to be an examples to the flock. When Luke writes in Acts 20, he says, from Miletus, he, that is Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And here's what he says to him. Be on guard for yourselves, elders, and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He has put them in your charge to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So the role of elder in a local church is the role of accepting responsibility for oversight. And that oversight here at the chapel, we have elders. And here are the elders currently at Christian Family Chapel. Dave McKee, Frost Weaver. Frost has been an elder here for 37 years. We don't have term limits here at the chapel. As long as a man is qualified, and we're going to read the qualifications in a bit, and he aspires, he believes the Holy Spirit has called him to do the task, and he has the energy for it. We'll talk about that. This man exercised oversight for 37 years. Brett Johns, Brad Hald, Tony Anderson, James Purser, Jim Brunswick, myself, Jeff Curry. These are the men at Christian Family Chapel who have oversight of this flock, who are in charge of our souls. This responsibility is appointed by the Holy Spirit. The most important question 
along with the qualification issue is this. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is calling you to do this? Is this in obedience to him? We take that from Acts chapter 20, which I just read, where Paul says, be on guard for yourselves, for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So, so this is an appointment by the Lord, a calling on a man's life to serve as an overseer. So it's appointment by the Holy Spirit. Second, it is a responsibility under the chief shepherd. First Peter 5 said, we have a elders who serve as under shepherds under the chief shepherd. Now, uh, that might seem, yeah, well, okay, that sounds very spiritual. That sounds like just church talk. Folks, can I have your eyes? This, this right here, so essential to the health of a church that indeed, not just words, Jesus is the head of Christian Family Chapel. We are very committed to that where there's a point in the org chart, if you will, that that point is Jesus. Some of you may have come from a, a church government, if you will, where the senior pastor is the leader. And I'm sure you would hope that that senior pastor would say, well, that I am the leader under Jesus, the chief shepherd. What makes CFC, I think, powerfully in line with the scriptures is there is a single head, Jesus, and then a plurality of godly men under Jesus who have oversight. Not, no one single individual. So even though I am here as the teacher of the word of God, I am not the point leader for Christian Family Chapel. Very seriously, Jesus is and a plurality of elders who serve under them. So, so critical. Because what happens, and we see it constantly, we see a church explode under an individual human leader, and then almost as much, regrettably, we see a church deteriorate under a single human leader. That's why we are so convinced at the chapel that the role of the elder is in plurality, that it is not any single individual. So these guys are actually my bosses, not just theoretically, they're my bosses. They determine how long I'm here, when I'm here, they hire me, they fire me. They're the ones that give me an annual evaluation of how I am performing my role in this body. Under Jesus, plurality of under shepherds. It is, it's the plan biblically for a church to have 
long-term health. Because Jesus is never going to crash and burn. And the protection then of not a single person under Jesus, but a plurality of biblically qualified men under his headship. We serve under the chief shepherd, Jesus. When Jackie and I were 23, 22, 23 years old, it's the first time we walked onto the campus of Christian Family Chapel. Only the South Auditorium existed then. That building and a bunch of trees. And in one visit, myself, Jackie, and a friend of ours named David First, who had graduated with us from Columbia, we walked from South Auditorium to our car, and our conversation was simply this. This is a very unique church where it's obvious that it is led by a plurality of elders. And I'll never forget David First saying to me, this is the type of church you want to work for. I was a school teacher. I didn't want to work for a church. But he was able to identify this is the way a healthy church functions. A plurality of elders under the chief shepherd. Their responsibility of oversight is then one to lead under his leadership. So as elders, we are leading as followers of Jesus and protection. We're not only as overseers leading, but protecting the flock. And the greatest threat to every flock, every group of believers is false teaching. It's human reasoning filtering its way in and beginning to pervert and twist the clear teaching and truth of the word of God. So that's why 1 Thessalonians 5.12 says the role of the elder is not only for oversight, it is to provide, and I should have been even more specific, I made an assumption here, I shouldn't provide biblical instruction. Because there's a difference between providing instruction and providing biblical instruction. From the youngest, you heard it from Bill. I, I love the fact that you heard a story. We didn't plan it that way, but you heard a story this morning of when they teach in elementary, they teach them Bible. If you have junior hires, you need to know, we teach junior hires Bible. When we teach our high school students, we teach them Bible. When we come in here every week, we teach the Bible because the truth is the necessary ingredient to confront the lies that our culture will continue to throw on us about. Well, you look around and you see all the lies that our culture is operating upon. And that is why it's so essential that you know you have elders who serve under a chief shepherd whose commitment is to make sure this body is provided week in, week out, biblical instruction. When I started as the youth pastor here, I never imagined being a youth pastor, but I discovered the elders at Christian Family Chapel were not looking for a wild and crazy guy. They were looking for a guy who loves students 
and loved teaching the scriptures. That's always our commitment. In children's ministry, youth ministry, and adult ministry. People who love people and love teaching the scriptures. Because biblical instruction is absolutely essential. Verse 12, charge in your Lord and give you instruction. All scripture is inspired by God. And what's it profitable for? For teaching. In other words, understanding what is true. For reproof, telling us what we need to stop. For correction, telling us what we need to start. And for training in righteousness, telling us how to continue to do what we ought to do in walking in truth. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Here's my point, folks. We teach this because this is God-breathed. And we teach this because this will teach us how we ought to live in a manner that is pleasing to God and will bring joy to our own selves and to our own family. That's why we teach the scriptures. But the goal is not to teach the scriptures. That's the means. The goal is teach the scriptures so you and I might live godly lives and engage in godly service. You understand the, dis- the distinction? If the goal is to teach, then it's just give instruction, give instruction, give instruction. But the goal of our instruction, Paul says, the goal of our instruction is love. In other words, instruction is intended to be applied. The, the great danger is to be instructed and not apply it. You know why? What will the result be? James tells us, deception. You'll think you're, you, you will think you are mature when you're not because Christian maturity is not knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Christian maturity is knowledge applied in love. So, I want to acknowledge CFC can be a hard place to come to. I get that. They go, man, the chapel, it's just application, application, application. It's because we want to guard from deception to become hearers of the word and not doers of the word who deceive ourselves. So we're going to teach the scriptures for the goal that we would be transformed by them. For example, I hope you will walk out this morning with absolute clarity in what the scripture says your role in the congregation is and you will seek to live it out. Can I encourage you? Don't grow weary of applying the scriptures. Don't grow weary of hearing it and allowing it to bring whatever is needed, conviction, encouragement, strength, hope, comfort, the scriptures intended to be applied. So elders have responsibility for oversight, leading, and protecting, protecting by providing biblical instruction. Third, elders have responsibility to be among the congregation. It It'd be easy to skip this, to miss it, 
But don't miss what it said in verse 12, who diligently labor among you. You see, the point of being among you is that they would be among the congregation as an example. Draw an important distinction here. I go to Columbia three times a year, three times a year to serve on the board up there. But you know what I do? I go up, I sit in a room, and we make decisions. And I'm not discounting. They're important decisions. The role of a board is to make sure that we don't drift from our mission, that the university stays true to its original purpose of educating people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. Every decision is going, are we staying mission critical? But I'm there six days a year. I am not among them. What is so different between being on a board and being an elder is this. An elder is among the congregation so that you would have among you an example. It's challenging when we have six venues. Doesn't always happen, but we seek to have spread ourselves out so that we have elders among the Thursday night crowd, the 8 o'clock crowd, the 9.30 south, the 9.30 north, the 11 o'clock south, and the 11 o'clock north because the role is among. Now, this is not the only time. Elders involved in family group, elders involved in classes, elders involved in power-up clubs, elders involved in power search. In fact, speaking of power surge, if you weren't helping, if power-up clubs, we need, I was told between hours, 25 more people who would say they will help man the inflatables when we have the huge party Friday night here on campus. In other words, kids love to come to power surge because we'll have that whole backfield filled with inflatables, but we need like responsible adults helping organize. So... Would 25 of you be great? 25 of you said, hey, I can do that. I'm not hosting a home. I'm not cooking for him this week. I can do that. I'll show up Friday night and help oversee, provide some chaperone for those inflatables. 25, that's what we need. Elders are among for the purpose of example. Peter connected it. Shepherd the flock of God among you, proving to be examples to the flock. That is why the qualifications are what they are, because a man must meet the qualifications in order that he might be then an example to the flock. Fourth, the role of the elder is to be diligent to be diligent in their labor, in their work. Again, verse 12. In charge over you in the Lord, protect by giving instruction among and do it diligently. Here's diligence. Steady, earnest, energetic. That's that's what diligence is. It's labor that is steady, earnest and energetic. 
That's sometimes the challenge of being elder. (laughs) It's the energy that's required to steadily and earnestly shepherd, give oversight, provide instruction, and be among. Every year as an elder, we come to a meeting and we answer the question again. Before God, do we remain qualified? Do we remain available? And do we continue to aspire, believing the Holy Spirit has appointed this to this? And every once in a while, over the years, an elder has said, I believe I'm still qualified. I just don't have the energy for it anymore. It recognizes that the scripture requires a diligence and a diligence is steady, earnest, energetic effort. It requires work. Can I summarize the work for you from Hebrews? To keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And that is just one weighty expression. The elders, those guys that I showed the picture of, you understand that they have steady, earnest, energetic effort because they recognize that one day we will stand before the Lord and give an account, not for the decisions you made. You'll, make, you'll give an account for that. We'll give an account for, did we lead you under the chief shepherd? Did we follow him and lead you? Did we provide you with instruction from the scriptures so that you could not only know the Lord, but respond to the Lord and walk with the Lord? Did we protect you from false teaching? Did we provide you what you needed? Encouragement or admonishment or correction or rebuke or patience. We have that clear sense that we will give an account for how we watched over your souls. You probably get a sense of, who would want to do that? (laughs) And the answer simply is this, only those who have a sense, this is what the Holy Spirit is calling me to do. It really is unto the Lord. Frost Weaver has done it for 37 years. We'll say every year, I don't know why I do this other than I know the Lord wants me to because no sane person would do it for any other reason. It's the weight. I'm serious. It's the weight of being among and leading and protecting. Thankfully, we believe the Lord has appointed two new men to join our elder team. I'm going to tell you who they are, and then I'm going to read the passage of qualifications for you for this reason. To the best that our eyes and ears and our experiences taught us, we see that they have served faithfully, and we believe they're biblically qualified. We ask their spouses to say, hey, in the home, is this what you see? Their spouses have said, we believe they're biblically qualified. They've gone through a lot of weeks of a very intensive course on biblical eldership, and they continue to believe the Holy Spirit has set them apart. Final step is to share them with you, and if there is any reason, according to 
the biblical qualifications that you go, oh, my experience tells me something else. We would need to hear from you in the next seven days. Nothing anonymous. That won't fly. But if you have an experience where you go, I don't think this matches what it says here in 1 Timothy 3 or Titus 1, then we need to, you need to contact us because we have this point, all of our information and our experience tells us these guys meet the qualifications. So who am I talking about? This is Eric Foster, his wife, Heather, and this is John Adams and his wife, Andy. We're asking you, I'm going to read the qualifications now, and if you have reason, then you would let us know in the next seven days. It's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, in other words, they believe the Holy Spirit has appointed them. It's a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, and able to teach. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a new convert, so that he'll not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And now Titus chapter 1 repeats some and gives us a few more. Above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. It's quite a list, isn't it? Both of these individuals we're bringing before you as a body believe from what we know the Lord has set them apart. If you think otherwise, you need to let us know. In two weeks, we'll bring them forth and we'll lay hands on them and they'll be part of the elder team. So that's a lot about elders. Why? Because most important to a congregation under Jesus and his word is who has God Put in charge of this body. That makes all the difference. So I want you to know everything I can there about what the scripture says about elders at Christian Family Chapel. What's your role as the congregation? There's roles. There's the role of the elder and there's the role of the congregation. Here's your role. It's very, very direct. Obey your leaders and submit to them. 
Again, why? Well, we read it earlier. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So, not complicated. Elders have, in plurality, responsibility for oversight under the chief shepherd. The congregation's role is to submit and obey as unto the Lord because they are under shepherds to the chief shepherd. So it's not only submit and obey, but it's submit and obey in a way that doesn't cause them grief. Parents, you know the difference, right? You've experienced children who obey but give you great grief in the process. And you have children who obey and it's joyful. Be that one. That's your role. That is why it's so essential that you know everything that the New Testament says about the elder because your responsibility unto the Lord is submission and obedience joyfully as they serve as under shepherds. So the role of congregation, obey and submit. To our passage in first, that's five, verse 12, there's a second role of the congregation. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord. So it's the word appreciate. So what's, what's that mean? It's actually the word that we get nuthetic from, which is of the mind. In other words, congregation, the scripture encourage it doesn't encourage you, it commands you, request of you, that you would think about your elders, about those who have charge over you in a way that recognizes the value of such men in your life. Because when you appreciate, when you say, I just wanted to tell you I appreciate you, what are you saying? You're saying, I have thoughts to the value of who you are. I want to appreciate what you've done. I have thoughts of the value of what you do. When you appreciate the value, when you acknowledge and recognize the value, then guess what? Then the submission and obedience can be joyful. So appreciation is that mindset, that recognizing the value of your leaders is that mindset that supports the action of submission and obedience. It can be tangible. I was grateful I came in early this morning and in my box was a note that said, grateful for you. And then it was signed by an individual, uh, but just their first name. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. But we have like 25 people of that first name. So if you sent me a note, thank you. I have no idea who you are, actually are because I don't know your handwriting. But, you know, I genuinely appreciated it. I do it as under the Lord, diligent, but 
thanks for recognizing the value. And I want you, I want you hopefully to transfer that same appreciation for all the other guys who are the plurality of elders. I want, I want them to experience appreciation more than I do. Because I get paid to do this. No, I'm just teasing. No, I mean, no, I'm not teasing about that. I do. <laughs> but you understand what they do in the midst of everything else they do. That's, that's a tremendous labor of love on your behalf. I am so grateful for the men who serve in that capacity. So I look in this room and I apologize if I'm not seeing in, over here in North, I see Skip Allen who served as an elder as he did other things. Grateful for men like that. I want you to recognize the value of elders at Christian Family Chapel, a plurality of them. And then it says in verse 13, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. It simply means to show loving respect. Now, I think you can probably recognize a little a little weird for me to stand here and say, hey, I want you to appreciate me and <laughs> to respect me. Ultimately, respect is something you don't demand. It's something that you live in a way that people either grant it or they don't. And I'm suggesting to you that there's a plurality of guys who under the Lord live in a manner and serve in a manner that is deserving of loving respect for what they do for this congregation. And so, if you forget who they are, go onto the website, get the picture of elders, and express to them, you recognize the value. You're grateful for their leadership under the chief shepherd, and that you want to be a congregation, you want to be an individual in this congregation who joyfully obeys and submits. Bottom line's this. Spiritual health in the church begins with involved elders diligently providing oversight, instruction, and example to a congregation who show value and respect to the leaders through submission and obedience. That's the foundation for a healthy church right there. Elders who do their part and a congregation who does their part. And here's the beauty of this. It's not only true in this family. It's true in this way. Spiritual health in the family begins with involved parents diligently providing oversight, instruction, example to children who show value and respect to their parents through submission and obedience. You see it? This is, this is the home God intended. And actually, I hope you saw it in 1 Timothy 3. It's the elder who learns to do it at home that prepares him to do it 
in the broader family. So everything that I've just declared about the church ought to be true in the home. That is why, fathers, I will never tire of telling you, you are pastors of your home. Fulfill your role as unto the Lord. Lead as a follower. Set the example. And if your kid's in here, do your part. Because when parents do their part and kids do their part, man, that's the home as God intended it to be. And it's the church as God intended the church to be. So bow with me. If you're an elder in the room, would you, or over in South, would you, uh, you know, freshly surrender yourself as unto the Lord to fulfill your role? And as a congregation, I want to encourage you just right now, quietly before the Lord, would you renew your commitment to do your role to respect and appreciate, to submit and obey for the sake of health as unto the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for laying the foundation for us and providing these roles. I pray that each of us would obey you that we would, uh, as a church, reap the reward, the blessing, and the joy. Jesus is our head. We pray it in your name. Would you stand with me? Let's declare. I want to read to you, pray over you, First Thess 5, 23, and then for you to declare, again, with what we've just learned, that you would declare verse 24 to one another. So to you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will indeed. God bless.